Give me, give me a time that you like for your podcast yes, to be. Yes, so about be 25 very aware. to 30 minutes. I have to pick up the boys at the end of this. <laughs> and there'll be yeah, no never... pressure, but there'll be two little boys standing by the side of the road. <laughs> They're very small and cute. So. Attention, authors, coaches, speakers. Three, two, one. Amplify your mission. Access training. A-Y-Mission.com. He's a best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and was even named one of the top 10 dads in podcasting by Podcast Magazine. Please help me welcome to the stage, Adam Lewis Walker. Hello, everybody. Thank you again for tuning in. And I want to do more of this moving forward. So this is my little bit of listener appreciation. So I'm going to give a shout out to one specific listener. And if you are interested and want to get a shout out and you enjoy the show, please do leave me a review. However you listen to podcasts, there is a place to leave a review and a written review, and I really appreciate it. So I want to give a shout out this week to Chris Van Villet, and I met him at an event recently. Happy to hear that he's a long-term listener. So Chris writes, this is the guy to amplify your mission. Love the podcast and the Adam's interview style for years. This evolution for authors, coaches, and speakers is great. I think a TEDx talk is next for me. Adam, we're going to talk soon. Yes, we are, Chris. So that's this week's listener spotlight. So please, if you want to be featured in the show, just leave me a short written review, give us your thoughts, and I'll give you a shout out on the next show. This episode, we're going to talk about leadership, the difference between men and women. We've got lots of juicy stuff to dig into. We're speaking to Annette Comer on the line. She's received two patents and was awarded the Woman of the Year by the National Association of Professional Women. She's an author of the best-selling book, Rescue Me, How to Save Yourself and Sanity When Things Go Wrong. And she's, she's a leadership expert, ultimately, and there's so many ways this could have gone. So we're going to dive into it here from the lady herself. Annette, are you ready to amplify your mission today? I am. I am. I am excited to be here. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. No worries. That was quite a brief introduction. Is there anything you'd like to add or highlight? What are you all about at the moment? Well, there's a, there's a couple of things, I guess, uh, that we'll just set the stage with uh, for the last three years until COVID. I kind of derailed all of our plans a little bit. I've been running something called the World's Greatest Women Academy, mm -hmm. where I am basically teaching women how to play the game of business and understand the rules when they enter into a male-dominated space. And also within that, I have also uh, launched a, a podcast called Achieve and Thrive that is where leadership meets authenticity. It's very much aimed at women, but we have a lot of men that are tuning in to also get an, a, a different viewpoint of how they can lead with authenticity and also get another perspective on understanding alpha females that they might run into in their workspace at home as well. So I want to just touch on your origins. Like where are you originally from? Where are you speaking to us from today? Um, I'm speaking to you from Virginia. It's a beautiful fall day here. The leaves are changing. Uh, it's getting a little bit nippy. That probably is where you are too, because I think yes. you're in the northern part of the country too. But uh, yeah, this is a beautiful time of year in this, this part of the U.S. Also, and that's where you're originally from? Is that's where I'm originally from. Yeah. Yes, yes. The little bit of accent that you hear. I married a Georgia boy, so I've got a little bit of a Georgia accent that gets blended in there with that Virginia accent. And um, I used to try to hide it, but I don't try to hide it anymore. I just, <laughs> I just let it flow. So. <laughs> so how did you get to this point? Um, you know, it's quite a unique spot and th things that you're teaching and working on. So talk to us about that. You had two patents granted and, and like entrepreneur of the year. Like how, what did you originally want to do? And, or, you know, how did you get into this, this, this space really? 
Well, let's see if I can give you a, 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 a two minute summary of that. Um, when I graduated college, I graduated with a degree in mechanical engineering and I went into a corporate, a Fortune 500 company and started off uh, as an engineer. And over the next 20 years, I was on the fast track. I was the highest paid woman in the, in the company. I was um, on the leadership fast track and was doing very well. During that time, I also was very entrepreneurial in my thinking and uh, started a couple of companies on the side. These were uh, retail storefronts with full day spas behind them. And so played with that at nights and on the weekends. And then during the day, I would be in my corporate spot. While in corporate, I got the two patents that you refer to. Uh, for those of you out there that eat York peppermint patties or Frito-Lay potato chips, you are engaging in products that I have the wrapper patent uh, part of, so, which is pretty cool. And, uh, so and then, us, I mean, how did that come along? <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's interesting because at that time when I developed both those patents, I was in, working um, as an R&D manager for the corporation. And so I had a ton of engineers reporting to me. And uh, before I took that role, uh, one of the patents came about when I was actually an R&D engineer and was developing products. And then the second one came about when I was actually managing the group. And it was, um, it was kind of pretty interesting because I was, was the only female in the group, uh, but I was used to being the only female in almost all the roles that I played in corporate. Mm -hmm. And I was, also, um, I was also the only one without a PhD which was interesting because yeah. all the other people in the group that had patents and such had PhDs. Um, and I, you know, and I guess the reason I got it is because I didn't know I couldn't. And I was always curious, of, you know, how that is. And I was always curious about things. So when I, mean, I what, would always ask them, is it easy to explain to a, uh, a, um, a non PhD person who's not in that well, world? Well, a patent is something that you no, do. I mean, uh, what was the specific? Oh, like, what is the specific? Yeah, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Sure. The, um, the one for the Frito-Lay bag, uh, if you notice, potato chip bags are cloudy looking. They're not clear, like a corn chip bag, for example. Yeah. And when you look at that potato chip bag, it's actually two different thin film layers. And the one layer is a coated film with a particular coating that helps protect it, also uh, to protect it from the sunlight mm -hmm. and to also give it barrier protection so it stays fresh. Okay, so the reason potato chip bags are colored like white or something yeah. like that is because sun makes them go rancid. Yeah. So that was the one. And then on the old peppermint patty, the shiny surface you see is a piece of polypropylene film that's been metalized. And it's actually a very thin layer of, uh, of aluminum is placed on it. And it creates a, uh, a wrapper that keeps that fresh, that peppermint patty fresh so that it doesn't get stale or get hard or that kind of thing. So, ah, yeah. So kind of interesting, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you'll think of me when you eat that York peppermint patty or the potato chip next time now. <laughs> so you're doing really well in the corporate world. Like you say, you've been on the fast track, woman in leadership. Um, so what happened then? You, when did, did you move away from that? Like what, who inspired you? Like from when you was growing up, why, why do you think you were, you know, fast tracking and, and in all these roles where there wasn't many other women around? Well, the, the interesting thing was, um, uh, which is why, what happened after 20 years in corporate. I left corporate. Uh, the reason I left corporate is because while I was managing the R&D group, one of my research engineers uh, obsessed on me 
went on for several months and ended up oh compelling goodness. itself in him bringing a loaded gun into the workplace. I remember that we spoke you remember before that? about this. Yes, oh we my spoke goodness. about that. Yes. Okay. There's a key. Yeah. You, yes. you tell yes. the story. I'm, a, I'm that one. Right. Over this. this was, this was, for anyone who's listening, if we're making like that, this is, this is crazy. This is a, yeah. a big deal. Yeah. So yes. It was, sorry. It was but, crazy. Yes. And the, um, the, the thing that evolved from that was the, the, you know, I was, I thought I was in the in group with all of these high alpha male managers. Obviously I was an alpha female. I could hold my own. I could speak my own. I could measure up to the work, all of that. But what I didn't recognize was that there was a game of business they were playing and there were rules to it. And I didn't know those rules. They didn't tell them to me and any other professional women didn't know them. And so when that happened with the loaded gun came in, they immediately went into their game playbook and said, okay, how do we, how did this happen? How do we protect ourselves from getting sued from this woman? On, 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 on. And so they handled it very poorly. And instead of being a support system for me, they actually came at it from uh, blaming me. How did I make that happen? Uh, did I, did I set something, you know, with the whole thing unfolded very poorly. Yeah, so tell us exactly what happened, because I remember you mentioned it to me before last time we spoke, but tell us the details. So the guy came in with... Yeah, he came in with a loaded gun. I was out of the office that day, and one of my other employees, he brought it in and um, was showing it to some of the other uh, engineers and was talking about how he was going to use it on me. And it was almost a love-hate relationship. She's not giving me enough attention and blah, 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 and all of this. And um, he... Um, and so the one of the engineers said hey his name the guy's name was dan said dan this is you know this you're going to get yourself in trouble for this you need to take this out of here you know you're all messed up you take it so they called security they came in um he he, he said hey i was just showing the gun off it, i didn't mean anything by it that kind of thing so they they made him take the gun out and leave the facility but never reported it to anybody. Well, then that evening when I came back into the office, the engineer was waiting for me at the door and he said, we need to talk. And I said, okay, what's, what's going on? And his name was Bill. And he came in and he said, and he said, well, he said, can I close the door? So he went on to say that Dan had brought a loaded gun into the workplace and he felt that I was in danger with it. And I remember sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, what in the heck? And you know, all these thoughts got rolling through your head. And I said, Bill, thank you for telling me this. You know, what happened? Is, did, was he taken out? Yes, he was taken out. And then I had to process how I was going to handle that. And I, I suspected that top management would think that I would be overblowing it. You know, I'm a female. Yeah. Okay, she's overreacting. So I had Bill come back in again. I had a, um, on my phone, I had a recorder and I put the recorder on and I had him tell me exactly what Dan had come in, what was he saying, so on and so forth. Thanked until my Dutch wanted to make sure I had it clear. And then I called the VP of the company and um, played it for him. And I said, I think we have a problem. And he just went quiet. <laughs> mm. And so they put things in motion and they got the company attorney involved. They contacted the employee that was, had brought the gun in, uh, told him he was no longer welcome to be employed with the company. So now I'm thinking, okay, now they have fired the guy. Uh -oh. and, and yeah. you know this guy, what if he finds out where I live? And so it was during the holidays. It was a very stressful time for me. Mm -hmm. um, and the guy had a wife and children and you know the whole bit. 
So after How the first relations with you and the guy, like building up. Well, the, the guy, he was interesting. I, I knew there was a problem because he was doing things like he brought and left gifts on my desk. And uh, we, we, there were some late night trials that we were running in the facility. And I would come in to check on things and be in my office. And he would come in and he would, he would pull the chair really close to talk as opposed to what was an appropriate distance yeah. apart. And I would say something like, you know, Dan, you know, I need to back off a little bit. I'm, I, this is not comfortable for me. Yeah. Or, and then at one point I found out he had actually broken into my voicemail and listened to my messages. And, um, and when that all was unfolding uh, over the previous weeks, I had contacted the VP of technology and asked, told him about it. I said, Dr. Raven, just telling you about this. And he said, well, do you need me to get involved? I said, no, I got it. I said, but I just, just want you yeah. to know that this is a situation that's brewing. Um, obviously I didn't have it because it escalated to another whole level that uh, I would have never envisioned. So did he find out where you lived or like what you, you said? It was I, I left, I, I left for the holidays and he was, he was living in another state. He, he had never moved his family. He'd only been with us for like eight months and his, he didn't want to, his kids was in school and he didn't want his children to, to leave. And one was a senior and one was a junior, yeah. something, you know, as a parent, you can appreciate that. And um, so when he got fired, I guess he went back to Tennessee and I left for the holidays. I left for so two that was weeks. That's the last you heard of I'm glad he didn't come back. Yeah. Fine. So it's just, you know, it's bizarre type thing. Well, let's try but, and link that to like men talking to women and women talking to men and communication. Clearly he was, uh, he'd got his communication wrong and he wasn't getting <laughs> How, he did, how he did. men speak to women and like, what do you think are the big difference between men in, and you started touching it, men and women in leadership and how they do communicate? Well, the, the, the one thing that men need to understand and women need to understand is that men and women each communicate for very different reasons. Men communicate for information. So when men are talking to each other or talking to women or talking to whatever, they are, they are gathering information. Women communicate for connection. They are communicating to connect. They are trying to build a connection in some way to equalize the relationship. So when women communicate to men in a connection mode, men makes men feel uncomfortable. They, 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 what the, and what the result of that is, they will actually tune them out. And all they'll hear is blah, 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 blah. From a, from a woman. When a man is only communicating in the, the information, trying to gain information mode, a woman sees it as very cold and calloused and non-caring. And, and, and so they immediately label the man as something that is not, they don't think he even cares about what's going on, has any interest in what's going on, trying to hurt her, all that. And, and men are very confused by that because to them, they're being very direct and, and so on and so forth. And, it, um, and, and where I started to learn this was, was in the business world for me. And I told you that I had a business, some businesses on the side outside my corporate. The businesses on the side outside the corporate were all women. The, the, my role within the corporate setting, I had all men, I had 40 some men reporting to me. And most of them were old enough to be my father. So it was, you know, definitely a different setting. And I was very comfortable communicating in the male arena. Very direct, yeah. no problem, all that. 
But when I went, did you bring that into the female arena? I brought that into the female arena. And what (laughs) happened, I couldn't keep any employees. They'd be with me a month and then they'd leave and they'd call me a bitch and this and that. And I'm thinking, what's the problem? I'm fair. I'm very direct in what I need. I'm, I'm clear. And what I ended up doing once I understood and how I figured this out, I hired a linguist to work with me for six months and work on my communication styling. And, and it was through her that I really started to understand the difference in communication between men and women. So how I altered this is now when I went into my female setting, I would always start the conversation with a couple of minutes of connection. So I'll give you an example. So when I went in and Sue was going to be doing the work that shift that day, I would go in and say, Oh, Sue, by the way, how was Jimmy's ball game last night? Did it turn out okay? Oh, you know, she'll rattle on for a minute or two. I said, great. I said, I knew he would do well. Now, let me tell you what I need you to do today. And then I would go into the list of things I needed to do. When I went into my male arena, I wouldn't start. I'd say, Adam, how did Jimmy do at the ball game and rattle on for two or three minutes? Because you're sitting there thinking, what do you want? What do you, <laughs> what do you need? And so with those, with that group, which I was already very comfortable being direct, I would go in and I'd say, you know, William, you need to, to do this today, and this is how you need to do it. If you have any questions, circle back around, let me know. And otherwise, I'll assume you got it. And when I changed that, I had employees in my women-owned business, my women-saturated uh, business, I had people that were 10, 14, 15 years with me. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. Well, I think we can all take, take something from that, definitely. So, so, so something to think about there. And, and that goes... Um, so, so if, if your alpha males are running companies mm-hmm. or even at, the, at home, it can be in, in their personal, their business setting or yeah. whatever. If they remember that the females in their life, the majority of them are going to be connecting in communication and the way they can smooth their way into that is to make sure they start the conversation with something that is connected. They don't have to blabber on for, you know, five minutes, yeah. it could be something so simple as asking, I don't know, what are you doing after work today? Or, you know, did you, I don't know, did you see that show last night or whatever it is, something that is, that is personally connecting to that female and then go into whatever they want to have happen with the company. Now it's interesting because if you run up against a strong alpha female who has been working with alpha males, You'll have to be careful how you balance it because yeah. she also struggles talking to females. She's going to be much more comfortable in your arena. So for her, she also needs to be aware because she, you know, that was where for me, I was very comfortable in the male arena. I didn't need to have that connection conversation to, to, to be an effective leader with the men that were reporting to me. But once I understood the difference between the communication styles now I could flex my style, whether I was talking to alpha males, whether I was talking to alpha females, whether I was talking to regular females, whether I was talking to the alpha males' wives, the bank manager, whatever. So once you learn that style flexing, it's, it's priceless. Yeah. It's priceless. And you mentioned, obviously, the gun situation. I mean, how long after that did you leave corporate and you said they handled it badly? Uh, and what made you, because you, obviously you're doing very well in that arena, what made you step away completely? And was that a tough decision? It was a tough decision. I, um, once the holidays were over and I came back to uh, my, my job, my leadership role, 
within a week after this, it was the first week of January, I got a, a call from the VP of technology who I reported to. And he asked me to come to the corporate office, which was in Wilmington, Delaware. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, they really, you know, I'm a valuable part of this team. They're wanting to make sure I'm all right because they knew this was difficult. And, and so I flew up to Delaware, got there, went into Dr. Ray's office. And he said, he says, um, the general manager who was the, the, the president of the company, he said, he wants to see you in his office. Now, this is a guy that was head over all the companies. Um, he had taken an interest in me uh, through my development. I had lunch with him many times. He had been instrumental in making sure that I was on this fast track. So I had no reason to think it was not something naive me yeah. thinking that it was, he cared and yeah, that in the way yeah. a female thinks men care. Okay. And instead, when I walked into his office, there was the corporate attorney, the, um, the VP of human resources and him. And I thought, hmm. And when I sat down for the next two hours, they drilled me on what had I done to make this happen? Why had I not handled it differently? I mean, it was, it was absolutely absurd. Yeah. And I held it together and, and I answered their questions best I could. But I remember when I got through that meeting, I got into the car, I was driving back to the Philadelphia airport. And I remember I started crying because I was so overwhelmed and I pulled off of Interstate 95. And I remember sitting in the car by the side of the road crying, thinking what in the heck just happened? Yeah. And I remember a voice hearing as clear as if it was my own voice saying, you just experienced the ultimate in intimidation. And I didn't know the game well enough to push back in a way that I was equally intimidating back. I, I didn't yeah. know it. Even though I was strong and all this, I didn't know it. So I got back in the, on the highway, went back, made a vow to myself that I would be out of that company because there was no future for me with, with men that couldn't understand how to respond to that situation. Did you always so, think you'd go just pure entrepreneurial world or were you going to looking for another company and how long till you got out of there? Uh, so after that meeting, uh, immediately the next week, I started floating my resume out. I had some um, incredible job opportunities come my way. I looked at them, went for some interviews over the course of about a month and convinced myself that um, it was just going to be the same game someplace else. So I, I stepped out of corporate. I started my own international consulting firm. I still dealt with men all over the world because I'd made relationships, but uh, this time I had a little better control of the situation. And, um, and it took me yeah. several years to sort that out, to really sort that out and try to, and to really come to a place of wisdom and understanding of, of how the men must have seen that and, and how they were blinded to where I was it was just the bridge wasn't there between the, the two levels yeah. of leadership. Is there a particular quote that really kind of sums up your approach to life or just an all-time favorite quote, the sort of thing you might have up, up in your office somewhere? For me, it's a spiritual quote. And it says, to much is given, much is expected. And I, I live by that. It is in my office. I remind myself that, um, that I have been given much in terms of so much success in so many areas. And it's up to me to not take that for granted and to make sure that much is expected in return for that. We think a lot's free, but it's not free. <laughs> <laughs> and is there a particularly impactful book for you that maybe you just read at the right time or just a, an all-time favorite that you like to recommend to others? 
Yes, especially to those alphas out there. There is a book that I read, uh, it's been two years, almost two years ago now, and it was written by a couple of, um, of a guys, uh, the main author in it is a guy by the name of Dr. Doug Brackman, and the name of the book is Driven. Okay. And the book was written, he did his, he got two PhD thesis on this topic, okay, so obviously he knows what Driven yeah. looks like, but um, he was working with uh, Navy SEALs, and the co-author was uh, was a big army ranger, so obviously very driven. And they were very they were really fascinated by what caused this, what made people be so driven. Why did they want to become Navy SEALs and go through that grueling? And and he was especially looking at it from the military angle. But when I talked with him, I had a chance to interview and actually spend a day with him, and and follow his work. And it was it's amazing. It changed everything. For me as an alpha female because I, I would be frustrated why people weren't like me. I looked at others and say, you know, they're lazy, they don't, you know, they're complacent, um, you know, they aren't as sharp, you know, all these kind of things. And that book gave me a different perspective and understanding that only 10% of the population is driven and there actually is a genetic disposition to it. He proved that in his research and that the 90% of the population is not wired that way. And they truly are okay with being average, but the driven alpha type people are not okay with being average. And when they finish something, they're always saying, what's next? Yeah, and, no, and that, that, that sounds fascinating. It is, it's a fascinating book. His, his research was, it, like I say, it was a game changer for me. It, it gave me a level of understanding of myself and those that I work with that I hadn't had before. So yeah. I would encourage yeah. all of you to read that. Sounds like some interesting stats you shared there. And uh, yeah, I you know that 90%. It's so sometimes I think, yeah, it, if you're okay with it, you know, it, that's what life's all about. If you're, if you're satisfied, fulfilled, and that's, yeah, but it's interesting though, you know, those who are driven and, you know, it's not, not too much you can do about it if that's the way you're wired. <laughs> you, you wired well, have you ever had a, a spouse or even a friend or somebody say to you, because I expect you're pretty dri driven as well, Adam, to say to you, why can't you be satisfied? Yes. Yep. The wife why, when when is enough lot. enough? And, when and is I, enough I, enough? Yeah. Uh -huh. I had to, yeah. I had, to, I had to think about it because, yeah, it, as well, the other extreme, you could just turn your life into a to-do list. And then, the, you know, some of the pitfalls of that is just mm -hmm. um, not being present enough because always think right. so. Yeah, I've been very conscious of that the last few years, but she doesn't ask it so much now. So You're either doing better or she's giving up on you, one yeah, of the two. Yeah, I, I do <laughs> we don't know which that is, but <laughs> either one, I guess, is okay. So. <laughs> Well, from your background and sort of the environments you've been in and having gone through the bulk of the interview, who from your network do you think, oh, that person would be a, a really good interview or that uh, you, oh, well, you mentioned some people there as well to be on the show. Is there anyone who springs to mind? Are you looking for a male or female? Either. Or either. either. The first person who springs to mind. Um, there's a couple of people that, that immediately come to mind. One, and I don't know if you could get to him. One of my international um, uh, executives that I deal with is he's a fascinating man because he works in the Middle Eastern culture a lot and lives in London and he he has such a mild manner about him and and the interesting thing about him which is uh, unusual for alpha males is that it is um, he's certainly not mild underneath that is this brewing alpha aspect that 
is in control and grows things and he he's he's brilliant he really is I, i've learned so much from him and then i have another guy in mind that um, his name is mike mike lane and he would be interesting because he also is he's he's went into the entrepreneurs he's in the pharmaceutical industry and he also has that very driven side very alpha side but has been able to be very successful at tempering that to work for him in business so that he has opened doors where other people couldn't open doors. Um, so those are two, okay. two that come, come to mind, but, uh, and then lots of alpha females. I could roll alpha females to you all day long. So, <laughs> okay. um, and if people want to continue the conversation, what's the best way to connect with you? They can go to my website and there's a place that they will connect with me and I'll actually get back to them personally. My assistant will pass it on to me. Uh, it is www.annettecomer.com and they can find out about me there if they'd like. There's a, there, they can find out how to access the Achieve and Thrive podcast, which is where leadership meets authenticity. Uh, they're going to uh, launch and get into this month. It's going to be an Achievement Thrive TV show. And then also launching to something called the World's Greatest Women podcast, where I'll be interviewing some of the world's greatest women. And, Good stuff. And we'll put all that on the show notes as well. Great. And when it comes to authentic leadership and even communication between men and women, is there anything that you feel is left unsaid? Is there any wise words you'd like to leave us with today? Probably the, the one thing in terms of authenticity for men and women is to to get comfortable in your own skin to really become self-aware of who you are and get comfortable in that space we all spend so much time especially with the social media and all this we spend so much time painting a persona that we actually lose track of who we really are mm. and and those that get comfortable in that space can lead from a place of confidence and strength and there, there is no insecurity showing up. Narcissism doesn't exist. It is a place where you're firmly rooted and you're able to lead without worrying about what people think and, and all the things that we get caught up in. Well, Annette, so, thank you for speaking to me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. No worries. Attention, authors, coaches, speakers. Make sure to join all. Amplify your mission community on Facebook. Get all of your questions answered. Thank you for your cooperation. All right. Have a great week. Amplify your message and amplify your mission. System shutdown. Three, two, one.